0: Sci-Fi For Me presents Jason Hunt and Timothy Harvey This is the H2O Podcast
1: Finally Finally, finally, Juan Miguel Jose Villarreal de Lobos, the gremlin, has left the building. uh, Oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, I need to tell you. Yes, Minnie has just reminded me. Uh, We were down in Dallas uh, for, uh, I was, uh, I had to do a a job. Um, By the way, my name is Jason Hunt. And... And that right, is to Harvey. Harvey. And let me let me push a button here. Yeah, there we go. All right, there. So uh, yes, this is the H2O podcast. Um, and I guess let's do this real quick. If you go to superhero dot com, you can get ten percent off your order when you enter the promo code sci-fi for me at checkout. So anything that you anything that you uh, buy, um, you get ten percent off, and that does apply to. Uh, Sale prices and discounts and other things. Now, uh, those of you who are watching, you may see that uh, we got a new graphic here. And uh, Tim has not seen it, but uh, if he's if if you're monitoring the lives uh, the live stream, Tim, you can see. Um, and. Uh, The live chat is open, which means that you can join into the conversation. And if you uh, are so inclined, you want to send us a super chat and give us money, that's more than acceptable, too, but certainly not an obligation. Um, The graphic now uh, includes a little logo, a little icon, uh, because the H2O podcast is now on iHeartRadio. Yeah. Yeah, we're very excited about that. And it turns out, it's a funny, funny thing. Um, uh, um, Is there a straw anywhere? No. Oh, they didn't give us straws. All right. Funny thing that um, when I did a search for iHeartRadio, I had to get back to my train of thought. Um, when I did a search on iHeartRadio for sci-fi from A, some of our old shows popped up. So I'm wondering if uh, iTunes uh, populated just all of the different things and, and not and whatever. But if you go to if you're using the iTunes, the iHeart iHeartRadio app and you search the H two O podcast, you got to have the article at the very first the H two O podcast. There we are. We'll pop up. You see all of our uh, all of our um, episodes. However, it is behind because right now I'm still in the middle of editing episode 175 because that's the episode for those who who remember that's the episode where Tim's microphone was off, and so I'm having to go back through and, and mix the audio. So as soon Not as my fault. it wasn't no, it wasn't Tim's fault. Um, I had a button push that I didn't think that I had pushed, so it was my fault. Um, but there was um, so yeah. I'm working on episode 175, but the last I think 90 episodes or something are in the iTunes feed, so there it goes back quite a ways. But yeah, we are now on iHeartRadio uh, officially the H2O podcast. So you do a search there, and uh, and you'll find us. And if you are also, we mentioned we mentioned uh, uh, the super chats here in the live chat. We also have uh, an account over on Subscribe Star. So five dollars a month, you can subscribe and support our channel, uh, just in a in a small way. That would be very appreciated. Uh, and especially since now we have our YouTube monetization back, we're we're very excited about that. So uh, yeah. so there we. Right. now uh, as many reminded me I was just starting to talk about this earlier uh, we were down in Dallas I had to do a, a, a shoot for a client I had to shoot a dance recital and that's a story uh, which I'm not going to tell right now but um, uh, let, let's let's just say that parents get rather uh, creative when a microburst blows the storm, uh, blows the power out in the facility where you're having your dance recital, um, and there are a lot of parents with uh, with smartphones that have flashlights on them. So, yeah, it's a it was a story. So anyway, so we were down there, and uh, Minnie's got a friend who's got a band. It's called Josh and the Jet Noise. Uh, I'll, mm. give them, I'll give him I'll give him a little free plug there, and they're very good rock band. And afterwards, uh, Chris was telling us about who was it? Chris telling us about it, or uh, was it Chris? It was a friend, of, a friend of a friend of the Chris, who's the drummer. He was telling us about this other band called what? What are they called? They're called metal- M- metal- Metalachi metalachi It is mariachi heavy metal. Sure, yeah, I'm on board. <laughs> It, it, it is it is a very, very, very strange combination. It is mariachi covers of metal. So, yeah, it's, a, sure. it's an interesting thing. Now, for those of you who are watching, you may see about a, a lot of activity behind me as people move back and forth and, and to and fro. We are in a, a mad scramble at the end of the day uh, preparing for the moving truck we are finally getting all of the heavy pieces out tomorrow and we are taking them over to the new facility the new the new headquarters the new bunker uh, and 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 it will be a new super secret underground bunker now you remember for the longest time we were underground in the basement and then when we came back we were up we were we're not we're not actually in an underground bunker right now and that's going to change. We are we are getting us ourselves a brand new super secret underground bunker. We're very excited about that. We even have an on the air light. I can't wait to show you. It's going to be a lot of fun. So <laughs> so anyway, uh, one of the here. Oh wait. camera camera decided not to focus on me. Well, I just lost focus on the camera. That's very strange. Why did that do that? Okay, there I'm. Right. Um, You're just blurry. I, you know, it's I'm I'm just the, that that kind of guy who just can't focus tonight. Um, Saturday, during Good Morning Multiverse, which airs live here on Sci Fi For Me TV on Saturdays at ten a.m. During the horror segment, Mr. Harvey had a story. And we have we have mentioned this story before in in a couple of different things. Blumhouse, which is Jason Blum and his horror team over there, right? They're making a movie, and it's very interesting what movie this is because when I first heard about it, a few a few well, I guess maybe a. A month ago a couple of months ago my first thought was this is the onion yeah. you know, i mean that's the kind of story this was i was like yeah there's no way there's oh, no way that they're yeah. doing this right. but they are doing this and apparently it's going to release this year so uh, so i tell you why don't why don't you fill people in and I'm going to turn my microphone off so people don't hear me eating some of these fries here cuz we haven't had dinner yet <laughs> so, so so let's have, let everybody know the story of the banana splits <laughs> yeah.
0: So, so yeah uh blumhouse pictures um uh So the banana splits for those of you who are not familiar with the banana splits was a product of the sid and marty croft uh studios and um
1: and it was a lot of fun
0: oh yeah and and so there was a whole bunch of sid and marty croft produced a ton of stuff in the 70s uh 68 and 70s uh 68 to 68 to 1970 and syndication from 71 to 82 um so many of People of a certain age. If you're in your 40s or 50s, maybe even in your 30s, if or, or younger, if your parents uh, were fans of this stuff, uh, they're very much a product of the time and, and an iconic image of the time. There were so many visuals that you will recognize if you are a um, a a fan of television. Seventies. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and also you'll wonder, perhaps, if the drug, that acid you dropped back in college, yeah. you're getting to resurgence. Because, well, and yeah. what's
1: funny is, I mean, every, there are people who are of an age who will recognize the theme song to the Banana Splits oh, yeah. and will be able to sing at least the chorus part, the tra-la-la part, which I am not going to sing for you tonight. Um, and that alone should deserve a super chat. You guys should drop a dime just on that as a thank you for me not singing "Tra La La" to you, the 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 Banana Splits theme song, right? No,
0: I don't. See, because Tim,
1: Tim, Tim could do harmony, but since we're not going to do it, we're not going to You this. should thank us. Yes. <laughs>
0: right. So I had a I had a uh, had an ex girlfriend. Whose daughter really, really loved Teletubby. Mm. And sorry. frankly, I thought Teletubbies were nightmare fuel.
1: Oh, yeah, agreed. Agreed. But
0: on the other hand, um, it's. I know I, I can still complain about Teletubbies, but to some degree, the Sid and Marty Croft um, range, uh, there's a certain amount of okay fair enough Mm. (laughs) because there's some i mean the the designs the visuals the whole themes of all this stuff was just crazy yeah in a very interesting way and if nothing else you have to credit them for being incredibly visually creative uh and and certainly iconographic i mean if you uh there are certain certain TV shows that have a look and a texture and the Sid and Marty Croft productions definitely did.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Well, and, and the production design on them, you want to talk about, you know, just the look, the aesthetics of these shows. Mm -hmm. Um, to a certain point, you could say that most of them had a, uh, a kind of a look, a kind of a pastiche that you could that you could emulate now if you're doing some sort of a parody. Um, but the idea here is that if you were watching one of these shows, you could recognize them. Did they do? Did they oh, do? Yeah. Uh, they do the law saucer.
0: You know, yeah, I think they
1: did. I think they did. I think they did The Lost Saucer that, uh, with uh, with Jim Neighbors and Ruth Buzzy as Fi and Fum, the robots. Mm-hmm. And then you had um, Wonderbug. You had uh, The Bugaloos. Now, a lot of this stuff was part of the Croft Super Show. You had Wonderbug. You had The Bugaloos, You had Dr. Shrinker. You had Danger Island. You had, And some of this stuff was part of the Banana Splits where you had the The Adventures of Huck Finn and Tom Sawyer. And that was really an innovative type of show because you had three live-action actors playing Tom Sawyer, Huck Finn, and Becky Thatcher, and everything else was animated. Yeah. And what was funny is when, you, when they did close-ups and whenever the actors would touch something, they had the physical object there. So whatever was animated in the wider shots now suddenly became real uh, it was a physical thing that they interacted with i remember one where they had they had one episode where they were they were they were collecting apples i think and when they were picking up the apples the, i mean the uh, it was an animated scene but when they were picking up the apples the actuals were they were actual physically there but danger island was my favorite show out of that whole set now, i do um, have to point
0: out that this actually this actually preceded HR Puffin stuff. This was actually produced by Warner Brothers, Um, and it was kind of the first. This was this was the entry for Sid and Marty Croft into the television world.
1: Mm. Really,
0: yeah. They were they they designed the costumes for this, and and so that visual flair that would become um, things like HR Puffin stuff uh, really started here, and. There's just again, there's just something about those visuals. Something about that—that that, uh, um, I don't, it's, it's there's a visual texture. It's—it's. It's, I know it's a strange thing to say, but it's—it's it's also really the case. I mean, there is a. You can't. You cannot not recognize it once yep. you see it and you know it. It's there and. Um, it's had legs. I mean, for for all the fact that you know, we joke about being old sometimes. There's a reason this stuff has been around this long.
1: We joke about uh, it because we can't face the reality of it.
0: We just or, sat there. I mean, it's or just or too we're painful totally to aware contemplate. Of the reality of it. Yeah, I don't
1: it's too painful to contemplate. Yeah,
0: but you look at stuff, that, I mean, this the banana splits, for example, has been a uh, the TV show. It's been comic books, um, the film that we're getting.
1: <laughs> it's not um, any of that.
0: It's not any of that. Uh, it is
1: uh,
0: it, it, in many ways, it's the Five Nights uh, at Freddy's movie that that people didn't get
1: right, which
0: is, which is still apparently going or in theory it's is still, still in right development, there. right? Yeah, right. And I think that I think that there's certainly going to be a place for that, but um, or I don't know, I'm I. I'm not entirely sure how I feel about the Five Nights at Freddy movie either. Um, yeah. But yeah, so the, the premise of the film is basically going to be that a young boy and his family go to a taping of an episode of The Banana Splits. And things go terribly, terribly wrong. <laughs> Violently, bloodily wrong. Now,
1: now, the the fact that they're going to a taping of the show... <clears throat> And given the time period of when the show was actually in production, that implies to me that this is going to be a period piece.
0: Well, it could be, but the, it turns out, spoiler alert for the synopsis of the film, <laughs> um, that the the characters, the the animal characters uh, who are the band members of Banana Splits. And we, we haven't really talked about what the, what the plot of the Banana Splits is really at all. <laughs> Did it
1: have a plot?
0: <laughs> we haven't even talked about the plot. Or
1: the Banana Splits? The Banana Splits was a variety show, right? And it was hosted by Flegel, Flegel the Beagle,
0: who, and uh, yeah, and there were three, there were four yes. uh, animal characters: Flegel, who was kind of a beagle; uh, Bingo, yeah. who was kind of an ape; uh, Drooper, who was kind of a lion; and uh, Sparky. Snorky, snor- snor- was, Snorky. Uh, Snorky so yeah. it was kind of an elephant. Now I yeah. say kind of because once you see the you see the visuals for these creatures, you will go.
1: Flegel was obviously a beagle,
0: a walking on hind legs talking beagle,
1: talking with the voice of Tigger. By the way, it was the same guy. It was um uh, oh shoot, what was it? Uh, who did the, who did the voice of Tigger back in the day? Somebody, Hello. somebody help me. All right, Minnie's looking it up. Was it Jim Cummings? No, Jim Cummings did it, does it now. Uh, um, fun little note
0: here: the voice of <laughs> of that character in the film, in the horror version, is Bill Farmer. And if Bill Farmer <laughs> oh. was the voice in the two thousand and eight versions of these characters, so he is actually. Um,
1: uh, we got a we got a
0: shout no, out for I, our I, research. I know a lot. I tell a lie. That is not true. Uh, Paul Winch. Paul
1: Winchell. Paul Winchell. Yeah, I read, yeah, that. I read that wrong. Okay.
0: No. Uh, Bill Farmer. Bill Farmer is doing the 2019 uh, version now. Bill Farmer is the voice. Uh, has been the voice of Goofy, Goofy. since 1987.
1: And I actually moderated one of his panels at Planet Comic Con one year. I wow, do cool. believe. I think we talked about that. Yeah. But um, yeah, Paul Winchell was the original. Was the original voice of Tigger in, in all of the different animated things, right. Winnie the Pooh. And when I heard his hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo laugh coming out of Flegel, I thought, hold on, wait a minute. That's Tigger's voice coming out of this dog. It was funny.
0: Yeah, Frank Welker is apparently doing bingo for the horror
1: version. <laughs> That'll be interesting.
0: And, of course, Frank Welker... Uh, let's see, he's been Garfield, he's been Fred Jones and Scooby-Doo, he's been Jabberjaw, he's been Megatron and Galvatron. He's
1: still, he's still Fred Jones on Scooby-Doo, and...
0: Yeah, he's, uh, he's been Dr. Claw and Inspector
1: Gadget. Speaking of which, speaking of I'll, we'll do a little side trip here, you, speaking of Fred Jones and Scooby-Doo, you do know that they're doing a new animated picture. Scoo- a new animated Scooby-Doo, right?
0: I've heard that, yes. <sighs>
1: Okay, I'm only going to say this because this is a digression and this is something that we can talk about at some point in in the future. Um, But Tracy Morgan, this is apparently going to be a Hanna-Barbera super crossover story. It's not just going to be Scooby-Doo. We're going to have Dick Dastardly and Muttley and all this. But Tracy Morgan, of all people, is going to be playing Captain Caveman. And I'm thinking, okay, this could work. Maybe Good. it could go horribly, horribly,
0: horribly wrong. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's there are there are worse things in the world. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh,
1: but yeah, but Frank Welker uh, has been the voice of Fred since the very beginning, and uh, and yeah, he's now he you're saying he's going to play Bingo. That's what it looks like. That's interesting. That's because that's a that's a different kind of voice for Welker, Um, because I remember Bingo's Bingo's voice is rather sharp, and
0: uh, yeah, and it's um,
1: it's got a little bit. Now Droopy's the one that's got a got the drawl, but uh, and and Snorky just makes those kind of sounds. I don't know if you heard that or not. A little little bike horn. Was right, all he right. ever did. The creepiest bit on the the creepiest bit on the banana splits was it was a bit that Droopy did all the time. The doorbell would ring and Droopy would go open the door and there were these twin little girls with guitars <laughs> singing "Tara, Taramundi,"e and he'd sh- slam the door and they. He'd open the door again to see if they were still there. And there they are. They're saying it. They're, like cre- I mean, they're like straight out of the Shining Twins, right? Yeah. Just creepy. Creepy as all get out of the like, well, oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. The Banana Split was actually inspired by uh, Rowan and Martin's Laugh-It. I didn't um, know that. Which is, in its own way, a little bit of nightmare fuel. Um, <laughs> because... That was a show that some of it is still funny funny some of it has not aged well um, and it was I think it was it was the first show that had a politician go on to be sort of a, 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 a pop media appearance mm-hmm. and it was Nixon.
1: Uh, Richard Nixon. I went remember on that, Yeah. Well, and, I mean, I don't remember that. I wasn't a lot around, right. around back then, but I remember uh, but hearing him. He,
0: yeah, uh, he managed to say, <laughs> "So socket, sock to me." All
1: right, all right, all right. Enough from the peanut gallery over there. Uh-huh.
0: Uh huh. So socket sock to me was one of the the taglines of the show. It would it would show mm-hmm. up a lot, and Nixon managed to deliver that completely wrong <laughs> uh he was not a naturally uh comedic individual uh and his delivery was like a question as opposed to the statement that it was supposed to be sock it to me well, it was like, sock and, it
1: to me and and nixon uh and nixon you know even going back early early to the debates with kennedy uh nixon never really did uh, by all accounts, didn't really do that well on television. He was not. No, you know, he was, he was one are some of those.
0: People here, there, you know, for for all of the, however, you know, there's a whole. only Nixon could have gone to China, and then there's a lot of different ways of looking at Nixon's um, political career. Uh, but no, he was he was not someone who played well on television. But at the same time, the fact that he was willing to go onto that show at a time mm. when no one had done that, yeah, uh, certainly was was he was he was, a, he was always an a, an intelligent person and he understood he understood the potential of getting himself out in front of the viewing audience so um, now banana splits did not have this same kind of um, pop culture uh, reach into politics or anything like that um, and, and by the way I, I double checked Blumhouse, we talked a ton about Blumhouse on Saturday. Blumhouse is not actually not behind the Banana Splits movies. It's a Warner Brothers uh, Blue Ribbon Oh, production. right. Blumhouse isn't doing it? Blumhouse is not doing that. Now, we talked ah. about, I think, four or five Blumhouse pictures uh, on Saturday. Um, however, um, based on the fact that it's getting an R rating, it's probably going to be, you know, at least as violent as a Blumhouse picture. Um, and by the way for, for folks who are curious who's in this movie Danny uh, uh, Kind from Winona Earp um, uh, now, that's
1: a disappointment that we're not getting any more of that hmm? Winona Earp
0: yeah well there's uh, there's
1: there, there's discussion of that that, that, is, yet, that this, is, this yet is
0: yet to be had. Our bad bad people um, uh, um, well,
1: actually, yeah, okay. We, we we will we will get into the demise of Winona Earp in a future episode because there's some yeah. stuff going on behind the scenes there that uh, oh, people yeah. may not be uh, know about. Sure.
0: Um. Uh. But yeah, other people, other people in splits, uh Sarah Canning from the Vampire Diaries, War for War of the Planet of the Apes as Rebecca, um, Rebecca Austin. Harley and Beth, apparently, are the names of the characters in this, uh, and, and Mitch. But people from *Street Legal, Kindness of Strangers, Vampire Diaries. I mean, it's a it's a cast of faces you're going to recognize if you're a, a fan of a lot of, of uh, looks like, television aimed at the 20s. Mm-hmm. You know. No. Uh, and what's interesting is that, of course, this is somebody... This is a show that the target audience is very
1: strange.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure who this movie is. Do
1: do we want to show people the the opening? Sure. Do we want to Okay, so let me let me do this. I'm going to mirror this here. And I'm going to make that full screen. And then Let's let it let's let's See if it's going to load here. And then I'm going to throw it over to the other screen. <laughs> if it will load, it doesn't want to load. Come on.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, the, the the folks who are familiar with the banana splits are in their 40s and 50s. And the folks who are familiar with Five Nights at Freddy's, you know, certainly there are gamers of every age. But Five Nights at Freddy's is kind of a... A much younger audience than the, than the usual audience for the banana split so I'm not entirely sure this is the crossover that anyone was demanding <laughs>
1: uh, alright I think I have it here um, okay so let me do that okay I'm going to cover you up for a moment and throw that up and throw this here not that one not that one that one All right, ladies and gentlemen, the Banana Splits opening. Now, I'll do some commentary over here. This was shot at Six Flags Over Texas. And some pieces in San Francisco, apparently. I'm probably going to get a copyright strike on this.
0: Um, possibly.
1: Yeah. But, you know, we're going to claim... Fair use because we're making a commentary on those.
0: Right. <laughs> oh, god! So many odd memories.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, you remember the you remember the clock, the cuckoo clock. <sighs> now, now before, okay, let me. All right, so okay, so now let me that that take that out of the way. All right, so there it is. So there it is, folks. The banana splits uh, (laughs) opening (laughs) opening title sequence. That was the original. Um, They had other versions of it, but uh, but yeah, that was that was. Now there was one. There was one opening at the end because, and and it might have been when they went into syndication. But at the end of the t- title sequence, Flegel stood up. and says, "The Banana Splits presents the Banana Splits." And it was like, what? Uh, but it was such a it was a fun show. I remember oh, watching yeah. it when you know, i'd i'd get i'd get home after after school, and you'd have the Banana Splits. And you'd have the Mickey Mouse Club, you have the Adventures of Superman, all there in a block and stuff, and and it was it was it was a fun show. And then, of course, yeah. you had you had the you know being a variety show and being a, an anthology of sorts. You had you know the skits with the banana splits that were basically served as the interstitials. They were the transitions yeah. between uh, other segments. So you like. You know, the the you know the Huck Finn show and Danger Island and and all the you know, Arabian Nights and what other shows were within that show?
0: Um, within the Banana Splits, there was Arabian Nights, Three Musketeers. Oh
1: yeah! Oh, mm-hmm. I remember that. Oh, the Three Musketeers was so much.
0: Danger fun. Island and uh, Microvengers.
1: Now you know. Danger Island. Now, if you want to make a, if you want to make a horror film out yeah. of that, out of the stuff with the with the danger with the with the banana splits, Danger Island would be where you go because you could do an Island of Doctor Moreau type of thing there with with Danger Island with, yeah. and and depending on how you do it, you could either do it really dramatic, serious, like a straight up new modern Danger Island Sure, right Or you could do it CW style and kind of camp it up just a little bit or you could do full-blown parody There's there's different ways you could do it I'm not sure that a comedy would work I'd want to see it as a straight-up full horror thing
0: I could see that I, I, I think that would be a very interesting uh, tack to take with it and um, actually, um, all of them, well, okay, so Arabian Nights, if you, if you read the synopsis of Arabian Nights, it sounds like Aladdin without the genie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a fairly straightforward kind of, uh, you know, hero fighting an evil vizier kind of, you know, kind of deal. Um, the Three Musketeers... Um, and I honestly, I cannot remember what the visual style of the cartoon was. I mean, I I don't, I I can't, I can't see it in my mind's eye. And I I don't have a, I don't have a picture pulled up on the computer. I'm going to have to, um, find it. Um, but it ran for 18 episodes. And
1: it was it was pretty it was pretty solid animation because I remember um, because you you look at what was going on at the time you don't have a whole lot of uh, anatomically correct types of animations at the time and right. one thing that you got out of the Arabian Nights and the Three Musketeers and um, Huck Finn was it looked. I mean, if they had shot it on film, these this is what the people would look like, right? And you have the, you have the the everything looked like they had taken so much time to put in the details. Of course, when they're running, all of the backgrounds are just kind of looping back and forth and and doing whatever. Oh, right, but, yeah, no. Um, but I I think you'd have uh, you'd have a really good opportunity there for something. It, at the very least a suspenseful film with danger island oh, um, yeah. although casting chungo would be rather problematic in this point because how do you do it and avoid the the identity politics crowd coming in and saying oh you can't treat an indigenous person that way or you know whatever whatever the the hullabaloo would be well
0: i think i think it's kind of like recognizing that you know it's like Pie face from Green Lantern, okay, I mean, what was what was what was acceptable, or or, or characters from the Spirit,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I mean, stuff that simply has not aged well in in the world we live in, and it can be it can be done as long as you treat the characters like people, as yeah. opposed to a caricature of uh, of what of what uh, a very relatively uneducated audience um, knew. I mean, so I mean, it's I I don't I don't even think you need to worry about the whole you know anything involving identity politics as well as treating the character like a person as opposed to a you know yeah. a, a, a a cartoon stereotype.
1: Well, now the other thing too is uh, 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 in the Three Musketeers, uh, you know, we talk about uh, voices on this. I mean, Sherry Lewis was a voice. Dawes. Uh, John- Butler was a voice you had Paul Winchell of course we talked about him uh,
0: Jonathan Harris
1: Jonathan Harris dr. Smith was playing Hello. Athos one of the three musketeers yeah. I mean he's not somebody that you don't really think but the guy who play who played Porthos the one of the other musketeers was Barney Phillips and and mm-hmm. and those of you who might you may not recognize the name but you might recognize the episode of the Twilight Zone he was in whether uh, I think it was called Will a real alien stand up or uh, with a real alien, please stand up. Where he's the guy behind the bar, and right. you know, there's the reveal at the end of the episode that he's, you know, he's got a, he's got a third eye.
0: Well, if you watch Dragnet, he with was a on real Dragnet Martian. for I think several episodes of Dragnet. Yeah, um,
1: but there was a lot now, of talent didn't on this watch Dragnet
0: on when it was new. Either I saw it in reruns.
1: <laughs> well the funny oh, yeah. the funny thing is i mean you look at um the guy who played chungo kim kahana mm-hmm. um he was in jeepers creepers he's done horror and you oh, may yeah. not even recognize him uh oh, sure not. he's done a lot he's just he's a stunt guy mm-hmm. uh more than anything else I and mean, his his uh his stunt work here, um, I'm looking at some of this stuff. Uh, Guts, Passenger 57, Exterminator 2, The Man Who Wasn't There, The Thorn Birds, Smokey and yeah. the Bandit 2, Quincy. A, I mean, uh, he's had a very long career as a stunt coordinator.
0: had like a 70-year like career.
1: Wow. And he's, he's still, still doing stuff.
0: Yeah, he's like 90. It, uh, and, it would be fun and,
1: to see him in that in that uh banana splits horror film I think
0: <laughs> yeah I think I think that you know there's um, part of part of me is okay with taking something like the banana splits and doing something unexpected like making a horror film out of it and 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 let me let me break that down I think the part of me part is important <laughs> on one hand on one hand, Um, because it's departing significantly from what the show was and meant to be. Mm. Um, That concerns me in the sense that I don't have a problem with people doing that as long as the story is good. And the premise, and and the reason why it's not bothering me, is because the premise is not that the characters from that show are evil. It's that... Robot, the robots inside the costume malfunction. Yeah. And I don't necessarily have a problem with that because there's something. It's almost a Doctor
1: Who plot. It
0: is almost a Doctor (laughs) Who plot. And it's kind of like the idea that you would have like going to Disneyland and having, you know, you're in the Hall of Presidents. And Lincoln starts steps down off the thing and goes for you. I mean, you know, it's like you're not gonna.
1: Kiss meets the Phantom. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I
0: mean, so so I don't necessarily have a problem with this. It doesn't bother me. I I mean, because to me, as long as as long as they do it right.
1: Yeah, that's the key, and
0: and that's the qualifier.
1: Because we've had so many that haven't. Um, The Dukes of Hazard. Starsky and Hutch. Um, Gem and the Holograms. Gem and the Holograms, Land of the Lost. Um, yeah. I, well, I and mean,
0: we've talked about this before. And I think that, I think again, it comes down to the fact that just because this stuff is funny in retrospect, yeah. It's it's ridiculous in retrospect. Doesn't, you know, it, you know there's a difference between being amusing and being made fun of.
1: Yeah. And, and that's can, the that's the line that a lot of these productions don't seem to know where that is, and and they cross well, it think, very easily. I think
0: that's that's why you get something like, say, the new Lost in Space has had such a positive response from people, is because sure they've vastly departed from the details, right. but the broad strokes and you know, of the story are there, and the characters are treated as if they're you know they're they're treated like characters in, in a story they're not treated like uh you know they're not mocked yeah. in a way well of,
1: and battle you know, Battlestar galactica was another example yeah. of that where you had the the original the original season long series when and then galactica 80 <coughs> just put the nail in the coffin for that show and you know it has has really you know that show in a lot of people's minds is not a very good show, even though you, it, it's still for what it was at the time. It still holds up. Sure. And, well, and then get the reboot and uh, yeah, the, the reboot reimagining. Did really well. Yeah. It and was completely different, but it was still the broad, like you said, the broad strokes. And I think this, this almost sounds like, this almost sounds like the movie Bewitched that they did here a few years ago with Nicole Kidman and Mm -hmm. uh, Will Ferrell, where it's the movie is not a reboot. The movie is about the reboot they want to do. And they're now looking to cast the, you know, the new Samantha and Oh, Hey, by the way, she's a real witch. So it, yeah. it was it was I like the fact that they were trying to do something different rather than make a make a movie that they were making fun of the show, because that could have very well easily have gone that way. I didn't I didn't see all I saw bits and pieces of it. But by that time, see, and I think I think that Bewitched didn't do as well because we'd had Starsky and Hutch and the Dukes of Hazard and the Beverly Hillbillies and land of the lost and all of a sudden now it's like oh no if you're going to remake a 70s show well i mean look at shaft the new the new shaft movie doing very very poorly because they've made it a comedy
0: well not only have they made it a comedy but they've made it a comedy from a lot of the reviews that i've read is that that doesn't seem to understand the character
1: right and if you're gonna have any of them
0: and and considering that I, I saw the first, I saw the first Shaft, the first of the of the new Shaft films, right? And I wasn't terribly impressed with it. Um, I didn't think it was bad. Um, I just wasn't. It wasn't like okay, you've blown me away with this cool updating of mm-hmm. you know. Um, and there's a certain Shaft is another film that is very much a product of its time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and once you take that out of its time. It loses the geography it inhabits. I mean, there's certain t- stories that are are part and parcel of of the time that we were. And some of them just don't work coming out of that.
1: Yeah.
0: They don't work as well. You have you, you have to you have to think about the story you're telling more. You could make a modern day shaft film, I think, well, I think. but you have to think about the character who's that who's Shaft in twenty nineteen. Well, and
1: I think they did that sort of because the Samuel L. Jackson reboot, I guess, the reveal at the end is that, oh, hey, no, this is not a reboot. This is a sequel because he's the nephew of Richard Roundtree's Shaft. And oh, by the way, here's Richard Roundtree.
0: Yes. Surprise. But apparently in the new film, they have failed to uh apparently it's the the worst thing i've heard about it is that it's not at all a smart script, right and that's a waste of from what i hear i mean the the
1: cast is really good you look at that's impressive casting yeah it's a very
0: talented cast who apparently are very very wasted in this movie
1: yeah which is a shame it is Um, it is by the well, way, we talking about we're talking about Winona Winona Earp earlier. Uh, uh, Chris in the chat, he says that he saw the Winona Earp panel at DragonCon this past year. He said it yeah. was a really fun panel. That's such a shame. Maybe well, maybe it, that's something we should talk about. Maybe not next episode. I got to do some research on it. But there there, there saw, are some things going. Now I saw that
0: and real briefly. because let's touch on that for just a second. I saw that they are still looking for. A, uh, there's that, that season four is still supposed to happen.
1: Yeah, the problem is that IDW is so far in the red. Right. There, I, I don't think I don't think IDW is going to recover. I don't think IDW is going to survive the year. Which
0: is a shame because I, I mean, for I think they've they've managed to put out some good books no. over over the, over time. I think unfortunately we saw this a lot. We didn't. We haven't seen it so much lately. We certainly did see a lot of the comic, the the, the smaller companies that came up during the '80s and '90s. Um. Just
1: you know. Well, and here. and with the proliferation now of the indie comic scene, things like uh, Lone Star and and Jawbreakers and and Cyber Frog and all of that group, and all of those, I mean, they're making money hand over fist over there, and the 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 general sense. And I don't want to get too far into the weeds here on comic books because we're talking about the banana splits. But the the general sense on comics right now is you have companies like Humanoids and Ahoy Comics and some of these smaller groups, uh, Antarctic Press and whatnot, that are trying to set up – well, like we saw with Lionforge and Oni doing a merger here not too long ago – some people are looking at those deals a little bit sideways and thinking, "Yeah, they're just looking to be the next movie franchise. They're not in it for the comic book. They're in it for the movie rights. They want to sell the movie rights. They don't. They don't. They don't want to spend the time that you know we've had for for wait what? Hey, look up, look up Jim Carrey." Somebody named Chris Urban in the chat just dropped a note um Hi Chris uh, it said that Jim Carrey passed today. What? What? Jim yeah, Carrey? look that up. Breaking news, folks. We are live. Interesting. Okay. Um by the way Chris, where are you what part of uh, what part of the world do you hail from? We have two Chrises in the live chat. <laughs> Um not on Google Headlines. We're having to take a look. Okay. So um so anyway, yeah, let's uh we'll well that was an interesting little diversion sidetrack. Let's uh banana splits. No, he's alive. We'll have to look that up. Oh are you seeing anything, Tim? Did you see I'm not seeing anything? No, you, I'm not. What are you seeing? Um, because there's a lot of a lot of times we get these hoaxes. Oh yeah. I mean how many times has has who who's who's uh how many times did Abe Vigoda die before he actually died? It uh,
0: was Sylvester A- Stallone was the big one. Abe Abe Vagoda is still alive, Jason. <laughs> Abe A- Vigoda can never die.
1: He's he's somewhere with Elvis A- and uh and, and Andy Kaufman, right?
0: Abe A- Vigoda is A- eternal
1: glory yeah who yeah, yeah. glory Gloria Vanderbilt passed today but we're not seeing we're not looking see, finding anything about Jim Carrey. Uh, uh, Jim not, yeah there was a new the latest news thing about him was him saying goodbye to Sarah something three Sarah days Sanders. yeah exactly. yeah he was
0: not a fan of hers so yeah, um, but yeah no so glad to hear that he's not dead um uh you know like like you and I have talked about before we're we're at the point now where we're seeing a lot of the actors that we grew up with. Um, It is happening and it's always a, a a hard thing to deal with these folks who have been part and parcel of our lives. Um, It's that weird, it's that weird connection with media, how we feel like we know people we don't know Yeah, because they're, they're always part of our, our media landscape. It's like, it's like when we lost, you know, when David Bowie died, it's like people people felt a you know a visceral reaction to that. It's like when Prince died, you know you you feel this almost like you know emotional. You feel an emotional reaction to someone you've never met. Yeah, in a way that that is you know only certain certain performers have that kind of impact. I think. Um, so but where uh you know when Harrison Ford goes. I mean, it's just going to be
1: like, oh, yeah, ah, you know, that's going to hurt. Yeah. Well, so I mean, we saw, you know, when, when Carrie Fisher, passed Carrie away.
0: Fisher, um, you know, Peter Mayhew, um, you know, these these reactions that we get from people that that, you know, again, we don't we don't know these people in, in, in a in a real sense, but they've been, you know. They're p- constantly part of the the landscape of our lives, which is very interesting. It's a very interesting place to be.
1: Yeah, um, I am five pages in on a Google search and I'm not seeing anything about Jim Carrey passing
0: away. No, it's probably it's probably uh it's probably one of those those stories that just makes it out there that that, um, which is
1: which <laughs> good good here. Chris Chris says that we are uh we are supposed to be biting our tongues now because Harrison Ford is going to live forever.
0: Like I said. Like I said, um, a pagoda is still alive well, and- you
1: know these days now with uh, uh c g being the way it is, emotion capture being the way it is, you know that could be a that could be a thing we don't want it to be a thing, but it could be a thing i um as
0: as we've discussed many many times, um you know some of this stuff is turned into mo- I, I you know this this stuff is very much modern myth, yeah. You know, and so um, there will come a time when Star Wars will get remade. Uh, Bite your tongue. There will come a time when Star Wars gets remade with a with a brand new cast of people, Um, and hopefully it will be far enough in the future that I don't know. I'm dead. Um, (laughs) um, It's it's like Robin Hood and and king arthur see
1: i see and i don't see it that way because if if that were the case then um, well see i don't i don't see the various different versions of the robin hood movies or the three musketeers say or or any of those having the cultural impact that Star Wars did. I mean, there was well, not, the not just impact from a standpoint for... of the entertainment aspects of the movie itself, but just the overall pop culture explosion of everything changed right then in 77.
0: Well, but and, also bear in mind that there's a reason why uh, The Three Musketeers, written how long ago?
1: Well, yes. But, Still is around, but, and, and movie, remember that but the, the time, movies God, though. But we're talking you know, about the movies, you know. That hasn't it, been around for very long, well, re- relatively you know, it, speaking.
0: It's app. I mean, I'm kind of comparing apples to rhinoceroses here, <laughs> because because you know the question is is 150 200 years later, is Star Wars going to have the lasting power? And this is this is not my this is not my saying Star Wars is not going to. This is a legitimate. <laughs> yeah. Is Star Wars going to have the lasting power of King Arthur and Robin Hood and the Three Musketeers and things like that? Yeah. Part of it is yes, because it's epic, timeless storytelling. But I'm also going to point out that media, visual media, uh-huh. often has a shorter shelf life than... Written media,
1: yeah, but, that, but Star Wars. Was, Star Wars has had a very long shelf life so far, and you know, I know in the and medium.
0: And right? I, I, hope, I, I think that it's, I think it's a universe you could still tell stories in.
1: A lot of it's going to depend on how the current management continues to manage the franchise, and not, not, uh, not Disney so much. As Kathleen Kennedy, you know, depending on how long she sticks around, I don't think she's there for very much longer. Um, You know, JJ Abrams. I think John Favreau and Dave Filoni are going to be uh, very high up in the in the process of managing Star Wars moving forward past Episode Nine. I think. I
0: think no matter what happens in the immediate future, I could very easily see twenty years down the line. 30 years down the line. you know, Even if the Star Wars franchise went entirely off the rail in a way that basically is like, we're done. We're mm-hmm. not making any more of these. 20 years down the line, 30 years down the line, in the way that we've seen happen. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, r- looping back around to the Banana Splits, there was a reboot in 2008. You know, the that? show... Yeah, yeah, 2008, the Banana Splits um, had... Um, There was a theme park. So in 2008, uh, Warner Brothers uh, had new comedy shorts, music videos. It was on Cartoon Network. It had a live show. There was a website, a CD and a DVD with new songs. Um, And there was a child-themed area called Banana Splitsville at the Myrtle Beach, South Carolina's Hard Rock Cafe Rock and Roll theme park. (laughs) Really, which uh, let's put perspective here. There was this area in the theme park which closed a year later. Not apparently connected.
1: Yeah, did they have animatronic banana splits?
0: It does not say. See, but- and that that's where you oh. can that's
1: where you can loop back in. I mean, that's why it
0: closed a year later
1: and this is movie is going to tell us that story <laughs> Oh, bum, bum,
0: bum. Probably, yeah. Not. Yeah, probably not but that would be fun see that's what i would do but i'm pretty sure there'd be a lawsuit in there um yeah hard rock cafe might sit there and go so about <laughs> the slander <laughs> yeah.
1: well you know i mean if if they if they you know, it's product placement, Hard Rock Cafe. Are there any, is Hard Rock Cafe even open anymore? Is there? You
0: no, know, you know, I've been I've been to a Hard Rock Cafe exactly once in my life. And you know where I went? You now I went to Hard Rock Cafe. Uh, I went
1: to Hard
0: Rock Cafe in L.A. Sure. In like you
1: 1989.
0: Do. That was the one and only time I've been to a Hard Rock Cafe.
1: You know, I'm really surprised that they haven't changed their logo yet. Hard Rock Cafe. Nope, they're still around. Um, I wonder how many... They have cafes. Let's see. Find a location. They have cafes. Um you any kind of a map? Oh, yeah. Hey, there's quite a few of them still. Oh, let's see here. Could good, Hard... s- good to see that they're still alive and kicking. So... Hard Rock.
0: It was licensed from Hard Rock International, the owner and operators of the Hard Rock Cafe brand mm. from Myrtle Beach Operations.
1: So you could still licensed Hard Rock, you could still license Hard Rock, or Hard Rock could pay the product placement to get their name in the movie <laughs> where the animatronic <laughs> banana splits go in a killing spree. There you go. In Myrtle Beach.
0: Um, let's see, the park has been sold as of 2019, with no current plans for the property. So, wow. it's probably on a great location, full yeah. of all sorts of interesting, creepy rides.
1: Yes. Anybody hey. down
0: there who wants to stop by and get photos and, and show us, uh, that at, would be...
1: At night, with fog.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay. We, we will not. Uh, we will not guarantee. you will not be uh, attacked by evil robots.
1: Right. All right. Well, um, uh, we have. Uh, we've gone an hour, uh, and we are still in the midst of um, loading and packing and and boxing up and stuff. And I've been reminded that we still have some other things to load and pack and box up before the movers get here. So right, we're 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 gonna head out now. And uh, remind everybody that if you want to uh, uh, leave us a comment or any feedback, we do have an, e- uh, an email address, h2o at sci fi for me.com. Our hashtag in social media is h2o podcast. Uh, and of course, uh, you can now find us on iHeartRadio, um, which is rather cool. And um, don't forget your 10% discount when you enter sci fi for me 10 to check out over at superhero stuff.com. And we may pick this up again at some point and talk about it as as we get closer to the movie uh, releasing. Once the trailer comes out. Yeah, maybe we'll talk about it on Trailer Park. <laughs> that will be interesting to see oh, that uh, that project. So that's, that's going to be it for us tonight. Um, we have delayed taping of a new Salacious Crumbs for uh, a little bit later on because so we still got to put the set together. And uh, we'll have that, and we'll have a new uh, Tartus sauce Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. And um, I think, right, or we take it a week off this week.
0: I think okay. we may end up having a week, uh, we may end up with a week off this week. It wasn't planned that way, but I think we're running into some scheduling issues.
1: Okay, all right. So we Part, will... of,
0: that, part of that is on my end, the The one-night stand film competition, plug, plug here for the Independent Filmmakers Coalition of Kansas City, who invented the Timed Film Festival, by the way. We'd started that here in kansas city uh the one night stand film competition is this saturday Mm -hmm. and um the meeting this is the wednesday meeting uh is uh dealing of course with that um which i'm going to be at so i'm afraid that part of this is probably falling on me this week
1: well and then um and then tomorrow tuesday at four o'clock over on our twitch channel if you go to twitch.tv slash sci-fi for me Zant Durham is going to be uh, playing. I don't know what what video game he's going to be playing, but it's called Late to the Game. It's basically video games that he should have already been playing, but he hadn't been. Right. So, so go check that out, and then we will be back with a new episode of uh, this show next week, uh, assuming that the Gremlins will cooperate. So, all right. Thanks very much, folks, for watching tonight. Don't forget, you can uh, share this with your friends. Um, make sure you subscribed, hit the bell um those those two pieces of interaction are very very important if you subscribe and hit the bell and then you will get notifications anytime we upload a new show um they're getting off the tape they're going to probably take me to the chair so uh we're gonna head out then thanks very much for watching folks uh tom harvey Always a pleasure, sir. All right. My name is Jason Hunt, and uh, we thank you for watching this episode of the H2O Podcast. We will be back with another episode next week here on Sci-Fi for Me. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi for Me Radio, copyright 2019 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.